Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f*** we want. Welcome back to another episode of Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. Today we have Eden Chen. Eden is not a dancer. He is actually an entrepreneur. He is the co-founder. He is the co-founder of Fisherman Labs. Um, he has a couple other projects, Sonar Teams, Common Foods. He made Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2017 for marketing and advertising. Um, he was featured on TEDx Talks in 2017 and been spotlighted in a bunch of reputable business publications such as Entrepreneur, Business Collective, LA Business Journal, list goes on. He is a vision executor. He is somebody who doesn't just dream and stop there. He he has vision for things that he wants and he does his homework. He does his due diligence to figure out uh, literally every single step to get what he uh, wants and, and figures out a way to do it. What I really loved about Eden's story is that he wasn't this straight-A student his whole life. He actually didn't really care about school most of his life and through, even through high school kind of gotten into got into mischief like as many of us do but um, figured out that he wanted to have a better life than that so he started to figure out how to study and, and how to do it well and he got into college and from there learned that he was good at the stock market and from there learned that he wanted to get into business and so everything kind of snowballed and it was cool to know that it wasn't this this thought out plan from the very beginning but just his nature of being very inquisitive to literally being down to try everything and learning the steps to succeed and all that so that was really cool Eden is working on a bunch of really cool projects uh, that are coming out very soon and what I love about all of his projects uh, there are things that he actually really cares about in terms of helping out things and, and uh, causes and things like socioeconomic issues and things of that nature, developing quality products that he really feels like are going to help shape culture and be ultimately good and, and have a positive impact on the world. So Eden really just kind of has that mindset when he goes into everything that he does. Lots of good life hacks. He actually got into a really funny one, how he got into Forbes 30 Under 30. Um, but he also uh, talks a whole bunch about knowing how to get somewhere. There's no shortcut to that. That that actually requires your due diligence, your, your hard work, the hours, months, years. So to get into do your homework to life hacks, there's both of that in here. So take out your notepads, lots of good gems in here, lots of fun talks. Really great conversation. Uh, really stoked for you guys to get into this one. So let's do that. Welcome back to another episode of Kindra's podcast, Movement in the Shadows. I'm your host, Ben, and we got Mike Fowl behind the camera handling all the sound and visual stuff. Let's go, Mike. Uh, he's here. He's here. He's in the shadows. <laughs> Folks, we got my good friend, Eden Chen, in the house. Eden is uh, he's a business guy. He's an entrepreneur. He's a tech guy. Co-founder of Fisherman Labs, Sonar Teams, and Common Foods. Uh, he made Forbes 30 under 30. For marketing and advertising in 2017, he was featured on TEDx Talks in uh, 2017, right? Something like and, that. And um, he's been spotlighted in so many, uh, I guess, just reputable business publications, uh, Entrepreneur, Business Collective, LA Business Journal, and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, he's an entrepreneur. He's a visionary. He's a vision executor is what I would say. I think you are a... a you're not a dream chaser, man. You, you, you make the dreams into reality, so you're a vision executor. He's a humanitarian, all-around good guy. 
Um, really close friend of mine. Uh, I'm really stoked that you're in here. Eden, you're, you're, I get stoked when uh, people like you come in here because our audience is probably like, who is that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. You're about to find who out. Who knows? <laughs> you're going to find out if you don't know. Um, yeah, and it's not about you know, uh, huge social media following and all that stuff. I think uh, knowing you for the past few years and um, just you know, hanging out with you and, and talking with you, I've realized that you are somebody, um, you're not, I feel like you're not like the typical, you know, um, entrepreneur tech guy. I think the, your, the way that you see things and the way that you approach opportunities for business and collaborations and stuff is very, it's very unique and um, almost kind of, uh, it seems like you're not afraid to kind of take risks for things that you believe in and, and you find valuable and stuff. So it's people like you that I find uh, to be super exciting to kind of get into your brain. So this is almost like a selfish conversation. I just like hanging out with you and having these talks. I'm like, hey, I have a podcast. You want to come on and talk and uh, <laughs> talk with us here? Yeah. So yeah, man. Thanks for coming on, bro. Thank you for having me, man. Huge. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of you as a friend. Uh, every Thanks, time, dude. I mean, every time me and you sit down, we have some deep conversations. I yeah. learned something new. So totally. I'm excited for this conversation. Totally. Well, let's get into some background stuff, man. Origin stories. Where did you grow up? Where are you from? Um, yeah, what was, what was your childhood at? Yeah, so uh, from the D.C. area, um, uh, everyone in Maryland says we're from D.C. because mm -hmm. people don't know what Maryland DC, is. Yeah. Uh, my, my mom worked in D.C., so uh, Maryland's like a kind of like a commuter suburb, kind of like Orange County in, in L.A. And uh, so my mom's a journalist and my dad's a musician. So I grew up in a very, I guess, like non-traditional Asian family mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Like a lot of Asian people love when their kids play music, but they don't want their kids to actually go into music. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. My, uh, I feel like my parents were a little bit different and uh, really into politics and the news and the culture and music and things like that. And uh, I, when I was six years old, I moved to Hong Kong um, and lived in Hong Kong for a few years. I loved it. Uh, it's probably like my early memories. My first memories are like of when I lived in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. and I mean, there was some before that, but my real formative memories were yeah. probably when I was in Hong Kong. Um, and have one brother uh, who's um, who I'm best friends with. Uh, Shout out Ken, DJ yeah. Sleeper. Let's go. Yeah, DJ <laughs> Sleeper. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we've always been super, super close. Um, fun fact about us is like we like hardly ever, ever fight. Um, That's so tight. And uh, the only time I ever remember, he, he'll remember this too, us fighting is uh, one time I was playing StarCraft or WarCraft or something <laughs> like that, and I was hogging, we only had one computer in the house. <laughs> so hogging the computer up. Yeah. He's four years older than I am, so... He could have just kicked me off the computer, but just let me play. But he was so pissed off that I would not let him use the computer because he needed it for something <laughs> that he punched a hole into our wall, like through through the wow. through a wall. And uh, for about ten years, he he pasted a, a piece of paper over that wall, <laughs> um, and just and no, my parents didn't know that. that wow, hole was they just it's just covered up. It with was like just a covered up drawing. with a white piece of paper in his room. A white piece of paper, so not even like a poster or something. No, it's just like you know. Uh, uh, you know, just kind of pasted on yeah. the wall with. Uh, was it at least the same color as the wall? Yeah, it was oh, like okay. white on white, okay, you know. White so no white. one could see. You know, it was right where he was sleeping. So yeah. no one kind of looked over Amazing. there. But uh, I think they they found out over <laughs> over time, like ten years later, they yeah. saw. It. Why is there a hole in this yeah. wall? Yeah. <laughs> wow. What was the explanation? 
Uh, I think you told the story, the story at that point. Up. Yeah, I mean, we're we're kind of crazy. Yeah. We were kind of crazy kids growing up, so That's my good. parents rolled rolled with it. Yeah. So you so you and Ken like you guys grew up not fighting either, even as as young kids. No, we, wow, we That's really rare. yeah. It was very it was very rare. Yeah. Maybe it was like the four year age separation, but my Got brother it. really loved on me really well. Um, That's dope. He, I mean, sometimes he would jump on me because he just loved me so much, <laughs> and he would hurt me because he's yeah. a, he's kind of a bigger dude. Yeah. Um, and but it wasn't like a fight. Yeah, it was like he, he was trying to show affection to me. And, That's tight. Uh, so That's we've always tight. been really close. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. So I grew up in DC, uh, and then Hong Kong for a few years, and then we moved back to DC uh, when I was like eight, nine years old. Um, and basically, uh, China was kind of taking taking back Hong Kong, uh-huh. um, and because of that, we we had left. My my mom was a broadcaster in Hong Kong. Okay, so we moved back to to DC. So it was kind of like a strange childhood growing up because. I spoke Chinese growing up, only Chinese growing up. That was my okay. first language. And then I went to uh, school and, you know, I, I could speak, I, I could speak very little English at the yeah. time. And and so then I had to sort of uh, become culturally kind of relevant in an English speaking culture. Uh-huh. And then we moved to Hong Kong where everyone speaks Cantonese. Right. And then I had to sort of shift over to more of like an Asian culture. Mm-hmm. And then we moved back to to DC and um, of course I could speak English at that point and I also went to an international school I was in Hong Kong but uh, it's just culturally speaking I was always kind of in flux mm-hmm. uh, and so I came back and um, was a pretty bad high school student um, for for high school listeners out there <laughs> uh, just uh, I, I played tons of video games growing up mm-hmm. uh, was like a top 10 Warcraft 3 player what uh, growing okay. up <laughs> Yeah, and uh, uh, in the in the in the U.S., uh, this is before esports and professional gaming uh-huh. and all that. This is like when you maybe they Dang, sent you, you could, a, that might have been your calling if it was like now, right? You me might, and my friends are all the funny thing is like a lot of my best friends uh, played video games with me growing up. A bunch of them like run businesses now, yeah. and uh, we all like were like, man, what would have happened if this wow. industry? I mean, we probably would have been like huge failures and <laughs> not done anything. <laughs> Because yeah. we would have been so addicted to gaming, uh-huh. but, but you can make a ton of money on games you now. Can, right? Being a gamer, it's yeah. it's hard though, man. But anyways, I, yeah, it got into that, and um, me and my brother got into a lot of trouble growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my brother kind of got into the gang stuff, mm-hmm. and I uh, I was stealing a lot, and just kind of just a pretty just a no moral kid, just okay. kind of doing what I wanted to do. I yeah. was really into basketball and gaming. Yeah. Um, didn't care about school at all. I thought, I think, like looking back now and reflecting, I think, I I look at my, I think a, a lot of it was around a self hatred uh, and thinking that uh, I was just stupid and hmm. if I if I tried at something and I failed at it, I didn't want that feeling. Mm-hmm. I, it may, it may have been some comment that a teacher said or something, um, and. For years, I just thought I was just this kid that just wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't smart, and I didn't want to try in something, you know. Because I grew up in a um, predominantly Jewish and Asian um, neighborhood, mm-hmm. and uh, school was a big thing in our. It was a really, you know, top school system, and uh, a lot of people going to Ivy Leagues and things like that. And I think when I stacked myself up against my peers, I just felt like, man, there's these really smart Asian and Jewish kids mm-hmm. and then there's me and I'm just like maybe I'm average mm-hmm. and I don't want to like be average mm-hmm. so I'd rather like excel at something like gaming or yeah. um, or just stealing stuff and getting the excitement of that right. and so that that was sort of the the flavor of of 
my life growing up. Really looked up to my brother, and he every he was very loved, but also just acting up and doing a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that that he shouldn't have been doing, mm-hmm. and and so that that was kind of high school for me. <laughs> mm. So okay, you're not into school at at, at high school, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not like a right. super duper straight A student. Yep. Um, kind of, yeah, just doing what what high school boys do. Right. We all got into all that stupid stuff. Right. But um, at what point did you, I mean, you did go to college and you, I mean, right. you're obviously a very successful businessman now, so something must have changed <laughs> along the way. What, what was that, uh, I guess, like shifting point for you where you actually started applying yourself to actually trying in school and and getting out of that funk yeah so i mean interestingly i think like my so my junior year um because of like basketball and also because of gaming and music so there's a few things i was interested in right i said basketball gaming and music because mm-hmm. my my dad's a musician yeah um, played a ton of instruments growing up and i got i started going to church when i was in high school um because they had basketball leagues you know, they have like these church summer leagues where you can like play, um, you know, when it's off season, you can kind of play with yeah. kind of organized sports. Yeah. So I got into that and then uh, I like playing music. So I started to uh, jam with some people because no one plays music in high school mm-hmm. except for people from the yeah. church. Yeah. So I started playing some music. What was and it then, guitar or what? Uh, so I, I mean, I grew up playing clarinet and then... Okay. Um, you know, with with a lot of like rock and that kind of music, yeah. I got into everything. So got like, pia- you know, piano, guitar, drums, Sweet. bass, everything. Yeah. You know, you yeah. just start playing a little bit of everything. And then I got into um, ga- a bunch of people in the church were just. I mean, a lot of church people are nerds, you know. And I was a nerd, so uh, <laughs> a lot of them played games. So yeah. we would play games together. So there was like this fraternity that uh, this community fraternity that was built amongst some of my closest friends today in the early church. And I would, I definitely wasn't. A Christian or anything, but it kind of pulled me out of the sort of uh, like life of just mischief, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, a a youth pastor, the youth pastor that was at that church, uh, his name's Joseph. Saying he uh, he would always get like these extra season tickets for for basketball for for season ticket holders that had extra tickets, they would kind of give it to him, mm-hmm. and he would you know take me to these basketball games, and I was just like, this is a cool dude. Like I, I really like this guy. We'd have really like deep conversations. And he asked me one one uh, one summer to like, hey, why don't you come uh, volunteer in Nashville for this kind of missions trip? I didn't know what a missions trip was, but mm-hmm. I was like, cool, like a, a chance to get out of the house, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, go like have fun with my friends. Yeah, uh, sure. So you know, I, I went and did that, and I met some people at that missions trip that were living in the in the projects in Nashville. Mm. It's like really just crappy like living situation. And they were like the most joyful people I'd ever met. So I was like, man, that is like a really strange paradigm for me. So coming back from that, I was like, these guys are super joyful, but they have nothing and they live in this dump. Hmm. Like, and that kind of just made me start questioning like, all right, maybe if, maybe I should like look into this a little bit more. So mm-hmm. I started reading a lot at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been a very curious person. Mm. So like even like something like gaming, mm-hmm. um, or I, I, as you guys know, like if you want to be good at anything, it takes repetition and practice, totally. and you have to commit yourself. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's gaming or dance or yeah. business or yeah. school or whatever. Um, so I get really addicted in, into things. So like with gaming, I would just pour myself into watching videos and practicing right. and that kind of stuff. And with kind of religion and Christianity and stuff like that, I started reading 
all these texts, like mm-hmm. Buddhist texts and mm. um, Christian texts and Islamic texts, and like, all right, if there's a God, maybe I need to like kind of discover this a little bit more. So, uh, long story short, I kind of I read I read this book, Mere Christianity, and I started reading the Bible more, and I I sort of had a conversion experience, mm. and um, that's sort of end of high school, later stage of high school. I I kind of stopped. Um, doing a lot of the crazy stuff I was doing. And actually, that was very problematic for me because I was cheating a ton in high school. <laughs> um, and when you cheat a ton and then you're, all, you're, you're convicted about your cheating, yeah. um, your grades start plummeting because you can't... Because you actually yeah, you don't can't, know stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you don't have the discipline <laughs> yeah, to study at, yeah. that, at that point uh-huh. either. So my grades kind of took a dive for the worst. But I mean, basically what happened was I wanted to get out of state Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew the only way I could get out of state and have my parents pay for school was to really do well on my SAT. Yeah. Um, so I studied really hard for that test. Uh, I had a really smart friend help me study, um, too. It was like one of my best friends, super smart guy. Um, his name's Steven and he would, um, just sit there and, and, and help me study. And I, and I didn't do like amazing, but I did good enough to get into like a, a decent school. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I kind of hacked it. I like basically looked at the top 20 schools and I looked at the school with the highest acceptance rate. I was like, <laughs> I know I got to go top 20 or my yeah. parents are not going to let me leave yeah. the, the, uh-huh. the state. But, uh, I know I'm not going to get in like a school with a re- that's actually really hard to get into. Right, so I need right. to like find the highest acceptance rate yeah. school in the top 20 schools. And uh-huh. that was Emory. And so uh, early decision Emory, which is like kind of put all my eggs in that in, in a one basket. Yeah. I was like, I got a good SAT. Like my grades aren't so good, but hey, maybe, maybe they'll take me, you know? Wow. So, that's- so would you say SAT was like the first test that you actually took seriously and applied yourself to studying and got someone to kind of help you study or were you, know, you kind of already slowly kind of getting there through, you know, smaller, you know, changes and stuff that you were doing in your other classes? Yeah. I, I think that was probably like the, like an early one that I, I tried at. I, I think like, I think ultimately deep down inside I did care. Yeah. Um, like I, I did feel bad when I did bad on tests, Yeah, but I just wouldn't admit it. And mm. I wouldn't even try to apply myself to, to try at yeah. those things either. Yeah. So it wasn't like, I think I was secretly kind of studying a little bit. My grades weren't like horrible, yeah. but they just weren't like again. Like my peers were all doing really well, right. so I think it wasn't that I was doing so bad. It was just that compared to others, I wasn't doing as well as them. So I just right. didn't feel like. So it wasn't like I wasn't doing anything. I I wanted to do well, but I just didn't want to show that mm-hmm. I was trying mm-hmm. because it would like be like I failed if I didn't right. do well. Yeah, uh, that's what I wanted to ask. Was there any sense of? I mean, you probably wouldn't have recognized it then, but maybe looking back uh, now, you know, to where you're at, do you think there was a a part of you that was not trying out of the fear of failing? Like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think that's like a a common. Uh, a common kind of hindrance for a lot of people yeah, um, yeah. where, uh, you know, for me, I, that's, that's really why I think it's so important to tell people that their value, uh, that they're valuable, um, mm-hmm. and that, um, they, they can do well if they, they try mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and to just give it a chance. Because for me, like I did well, even going into college, I still didn't think I was, you know, anything. And, um, and, and I, I took really easy classes my freshman year mm-hmm. just because I didn't really care. Again, I yeah. was playing games yeah. even when I went into college. Um, and somehow I did well my first semester because I took easy classes. It wasn't mm-hmm. because I was smart mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. But because I started doing well, 
it fed on itself where I was like, oh, maybe I can, maybe I can do well if I actually study. <laughs> and then I started studying. Yeah. And, um, in, in a couple of years, like all throughout college, I started to really study. And wow. Really so you kind of developed that studying habit and that, that kind of, uh, mindset while in college then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was like probably after like my first year, I was like, oh, I might, I got like a pretty decent GPA. Like yeah. I want to, I don't want to screw this up now. Yeah. And so I really started studying really hard. Did you already have a, a declared major when you went in as a freshman? No. So it was, so I, I was, uh, I wanted to be a youth pastor cause remember I had just become a Christian. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I was taking theology classes and I was a philosophy major when I, when I went to school mm-hmm. so that I was thinking, and, and I, I, after a year of philosophy, I was like, this is whack. This is like so out of touch with like mm-hmm. reality. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I want to do something more practical, right, like right. where I can actually um, talk to people about real life stuff. Yeah. And so I got into business because I thought that would be the most applicable because, you know, there's not like a theology undergrad major. Yeah. So I was taking these classes, but I needed to pick a major. And philosophy was like just too out of touch. I was like, okay, I think like business will be something that's like, you know, if there's marketing, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's an element of like being able to relate with people, be a uh, conversationalist and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I ended up in business. It wasn't because I wanted to be in business, mm. <laughs> actually. Um, and uh, so my, my sophomore year, I, you know, I started... I, uh, learning more about stocks. I didn't know anything about stocks growing up. I didn't own a stock or anything like that. The only reason I started learning about it was because I I had to take pre- prerequisites in finance mm-hmm. in order to be a business major. And uh, I started to... I had some money saved up because I worked at Starbucks in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was thinking like, hey, I, I, I kind of programmed a little bit in high school. And, you know, I, by program, it, I play video games. <laughs> like yeah. I, I didn't actually like yeah. do really any, yeah. any like real programming or or whatever. And so um, I was like, maybe I can like apply some of this stuff to stock trading mm-hmm. and and come up with something that that might uh, make me some money on the mm-hmm. side. Um, Emory was like super expensive. I didn't get a scholarship because my grades weren't like, weren't good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to make money on the side, or else I'm gonna be this youth pastor that's like begging for money because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> youth pastors don't make money unless right. you're doing something shady <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow okay so uh, now you're in school and then you you kind of declared that business major was there um well did you become a youth pastor no so um basically uh yeah i started trading sophomore mm-hmm. year trying to trying to again trying to make money and it started just taking off like Got i it. started to do uh really well uh-huh. um and um you know, I had a small sum of money that, again, that I saved in high school and started to grow uh, a lot. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, I'm, I'm actually, like, pretty good at this. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it, a lot of, like, stock trading is luck. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but in my mind, I was like, wow, I'm making money. You're this is really great. lucky you know? guy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. I ended up uh, applying for an internship uh, my uh, junior year, and um, I, I'd become pretty knowledgeable about stuff just through trading and things like that. And uh, it's like super competitive internship in investment banking back then, which mm-hmm. is, I guess, like 10 plus years ago, investment banking is like what Silicon Valley is today. Right. right? Everybody yeah. wanted to be an investment banker. Everybody yeah. wanted to be in finance. Today, everyone wants to be in tech. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, you know, 2% of people, it was like harder to get into than like, you know, the colleges and things like that. So um, we, we would go in and, and do the, all these crazy interviews. And I ended up getting an uh, internship at, at, at one of these uh, these banks, at Lehman Brothers, actually, before they had Whoa. went bankrupt. Yeah. And, um, and everybody and everybody at Lehman Brothers was, most of the people were kind of Yale and Harvard and these mm-hmm. kinds of people. And um, just, 
I was I was kind of blown away by that environment. Like hmm. this is it was a fun environment. I, I I started to really enjoy business and thinking about money and the potential for money and what you can do with it uh, for positive change. And I also started to get, you know, thinking about like, man, there's a lot of people that could be great pastors possibly, but there's not a lot of people doing good in business. Mm. So that, that was an insight for me that I was like, well, maybe if I'm good at this, this is more of like my calling. Wow. So that, that's yeah. kind of how I, it, started, it started to shift over time. It wasn't like an overnight sure, thing, sure. but over time I just got yeah. to do it. I think it's cool because, uh, I, you know, every, I, I think literally every story that I've heard from, you know, people who've done various, uh, you know, career or like pursue various career paths and industries and stuff. I mean, like they have their, if they did go to college, they have their experience of, you know, oh, I was this, uh, I declared this major, so I thought I was going to get into this industry. Right. And then they found themselves in a completely different place. That Like, that's my story, you know, right. too. Um, and it's cool because I think it's the um, willingness to try, just try things, you right. know. And I think that's, I mean, that's really what college is. Like, you're just trying things out. You know, you join yeah, these, like, totally. social clubs to, you know, dance teams, do whatever. Be like, let me just try this out. Let me see if I like it. And yeah. then, you know, who knows where this may lead. Um, so for yourself, you know, kind of, like, shifting your focus. And I think that's really interesting when you said, like, uh, and not to say anybody could just be a youth pastor, but I think from your mindset is like, well, I can, I could, you know, uh, pursue ministry in this way, but that's not to say your ministry can't be pursued in business, right? Or, or being good at something else, right? So, um, so after you graduated, you got, you got the internship and then I would imagine you probably learned a ton, you know, at, at this inter internship, right? Yeah, I think it started to, I mean, it was a really interesting time when I graduated because I graduated in 09 um, and literally it was like apocalypse in 09, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody yeah. lost everything. Yep. Um, you know, the bank I was working at went bankrupt, <laughs> obviously. Uh, every other bank was on the verge of going bankrupt pretty much. Wow. Uh, nobody was getting jobs anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. And um I continue to make money <laughs> trading, so that so it's all just stock market, stock market wow. stuff. I was I was doing really well. I continue to do really well, um, but uh, but the economy was so bad. There was so much fear out there in the market at the time. So it's such a different. It's so funny because like people today can't imagine. I mean, it's only like ten years ago, but like, right. it's just people can't imagine like a, a world of fear like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so I graduated in '09. There was tons of fear. I. I think like also growing up, something that my parents uh, were really po like really helped me with is that uh, my mom always like would tell me that I could do anything, <laughs> which is like actually not true in a lot of ways. Hmm. Now, yeah, now that you, now I think about it, because yeah, I can't like if I wanted to play in the NBA, I, uh -huh. I'm not, I'm not going to be yeah. in the NBA. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, but there, it, it put in this, it put a mindset in my in my head that I could kind of just pursue these random things, mm. and so. I worked a year at a, I ended up going over to Citigroup and did investment banking there. And in my mind, I, I had a great performance when I was in, in college trading. And so I was like, well, well, let's just go out and start a hedge fund. Um, mm -hmm. And um, at least like 10 years ago, nobody that was in their 20s would ever start a hedge fund. I mean, it was like, it's, it's one thing to go out and start a startup, but a hedge fund is just a different uh, beast because you have to go out and raise institutional money. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, if you're in your 20s, you just don't have the the connections to raise. And, and people don't invest in uh, 
20-year-old hedge fund mm-hmm. hedge funds, you know, or hedge funds run by 20-year-olds. So, but in my mind it was just like, hey, we 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 did well in college. Mm-hmm. Let's just go out and do it, you know, do it ourselves now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think there was a a cool mindset of mine uh and even when I was in finance for so I ran so I ended up in start, starting that hedge fund and uh a couple, a couple of years into it, we did okay, uh, not great, but uh, I did have this like existential crisis of like, in the hedge fund space, we're we're trading stocks, we're moving around money, um, but we're not actually creating anything. And growing up again with parents that were creatives, and having that mindset of uh, I want to create something and provide value to this world, mm. I felt like something was missing. Mm-hmm. So I took a step back at that point. Uh, after a couple of years and done really well. Um, and I was just like, well, what do I really want to do in my life? And my finance friends all thought I was crazy because, you know, I've done well in finance. I could, I could get a lot of jobs in finance and people are like, what are you doing? Uh, s- taking a step back when you're, when you're kind of on the rise. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I worked, I went and worked at a church in, in LA. So I moved out to LA. I was living in New York, moved out to LA. My brother was here living out here. My brother was dealing with a lot of personal stuff, alcoholism and stuff like that. And again, we're really close. Um, he had a, a crazy health scare where he almost died because of some blood thing. Wow. And so I was just like, hey, I want to get out to LA. My, my uh, business partner was living out here doing a PhD out here. And my wife did not like New York City. Mm-hmm. She felt that there's not enough space. So I was like, let's just move out to LA. Um, so I moved out here, dropped the hedge fund and started working at this church up here. People, everyone thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> They're like, why are you going to work at a church? You're yeah. like on the rise as this hedge fund finance guy mm-hmm. and um so kind of it was almost like i took a break for a year that's how mm-hmm. i it was a it was like almost like a sabbatical for me mm-hmm. um had been cranking for the last like six years through through college just studying really hard when i wasn't studying i was trading so i wasn't sleeping very much investment banking you're working 100 hours a week 120 hours a week Dang, so you're 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 working from 10 a.m to 4 a.m seven days a week wow. um and just got out to la and was like all right, I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. Mm. So that's when I started to really um, get into the entrepreneurial stuff. Hmm. So yeah, that's that, it was a big shift for me yeah. there. So then after you took that break, you know, so now you're out here, um, you're doing the hedge fund stuff. So when when did the whole tech side of it come into play for yourself and your involvement with that? Yeah, so... Um, it, it's funny, like I, I've always been very interested in tech as, um, I mean, just as an Asian person that just spends a lot of time with technology, Mm -hmm. like gaming and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I've always been interested in tech, but I wasn't like a software developer. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think like, again, people thought I was, first of all, people thought I was crazy going to work at a church for a year because it's like, oh, how could you take a step back from like all the success and stuff like that? And then I decided to go into tech and people still thought I was crazy because they're like, you have no background in tech. Like, mm-hmm. you're not a software developer. Like, what what business do you have in, in technology? Mm-hmm. And, like, the truth is, if I went out and tried to get a job in tech, no one would hire me. Like, mm-hmm. what would they hire me for? Right. I'm not going to be a developer. <laughs> like, well, I was a young guy still at that point. Yeah. Um, but so I was just like, hey, I'm just going to start something. And I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I want to work in tech, and I'm going to just figure it out as I go. <laughs> so I met a friend and uh, who had worked in software for a little while, but honestly, for me, I was thinking like, I mean, this is kind of crude in some ways, but I was thinking like, hey, I'm Asian. Um, a lot of white people think Asian people are good at tech. <laughs> so I'm going to go out yeah. and just 
talk about tech yeah. and I guarantee you I can convince some people to hire me to do something in tech. That's tight. So um, <laughs> it was almost like using my strengths because like, totally. like Asians are mis- like underrepresented in a lot of industries, yeah. right? Entertainment, politics, uh-huh. things like that. But in tech, we're overrepresented <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> you're gangster in the tech world. <laughs> yeah, we, we rule the tech world. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was just like, hey, I can just, I'll, you know, I can, I, I can talk the talk in tech because yeah. I've played a lot of video games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end of the yeah. day, that's what it comes down to. That's so good. Um, that's how we got into it. We uh, we we basically every step of the way, what we would do is we would sell something like, and again, we were a service company to start, so we would talk to a company like Qualcomm or NBC, and we would say, "We can build you this thing." And at the end of it, we had no idea how to build this thing, right? Yeah. Um, and we they would be like somehow we convinced them that we could do it i don't know if it was the asian thing or what but um you know we were good t- conversationalists or yeah. whatever but they they hired us to do it maybe it was like relationships things like that sure and we would just like okay now that we're hired to do it, figure it let's out. figure this crap out you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah. let's learn this thing let's hire the people that we need to hire like yeah. even if we lose money let's like let's make sure that we do a really good job yeah and uh, I think at the end of the day, like we we executed on um, on a, a lot of early projects, and the the word kind of got out um, in Los Angeles. There's like kind of two um, big companies, Snapchat and then IAC, which owns Tinder. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, our company works with Snap, and and we work with IAC, mm-hmm. and um, and so. Uh, we started to get a lot of, uh, the, the, I guess part of the insight also for us was that we were very interested in product, which is like crafting um, interesting platforms, mm-hmm. not just in marketing and advertising. And LA was a very flashy advertising city. Yeah. So we, there weren't a lot of product guys out there. And um, we just really started to get into like understanding what makes a great product, what mm. makes a great user experience how to understand a customer or a, or a user and, and um, the flow that they, they, they have when they come in and open an app. What's yeah. that experience feel like? Uh, and nobody was doing that in L.A. In San Francisco, it was huge, but yeah. in L.A., it was unique. And so um, that, that's how we got into the, the fisherman side. So that that was the start of Fisherman Labs. That was start, yeah. In the beginning, it was like honestly, it was like it was Charles and I, and we were we were just executing those contracts. And I was thinking like we got to put a brand behind this because yeah. um, th- it, there's not any value to just like Charles and Eden doing something, but mm-hmm. there's a there's value to a company doing something. Mm-hmm. Like we can build this brand behind what we're doing. Yeah. So that's the only reason why we, we the name is a horrible name uh, because it was like. You know, people always get confused. It's a fisherman, fisherman. Is it fisherman's labs? Is uh-huh. it fisherman? So it was a horrible. Yeah. Thing. It was like quickly <laughs> decided, like let's just come up with this brand and let's just like yeah. uh, attribute it to that. But it started to do so well that we couldn't change the name. Yeah, so. yeah. So I mean, to my understanding, you guys have created the most apps for uh, like for the app store, like coming from like SoCal so, out of like so, any tech company. Yeah. So uh, definitely at a certain point, we were the largest uh, creator of. Uh, or I guess the largest service provider for apps. Mm-hmm. Um, that has changed a lot today uh, where uh, it's not our only focus today. And there's a lot of companies that do it, yeah. uh, do a lot more apps than we do. And mm-hmm. they're a lot bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of intentionally decided to keep fishermen small. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, an industry that we really got into was uh, the augmented reality, virtual reality world. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of just random fortuitous kind of connections on how we ended up getting into the space. Yeah. But very early on we got into the space and we've 
since become the largest uh, service provider for augmented reality experiences, which is kind of like the hot tech space right now. Um, So we're a small team, but man, we have pumped out so many augmented reality experiences. It's really cool. We just did one um, about a month ago that that went like super viral that where uh, LeBron James is coming at a wall and just like finishing a dunk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it was shared, you know, tens of millions of times, which for a augmented reality experience is very unique because it's an emerging technology. You don't get like crazy share rates Mm -hmm. like you do for, um, you know, something that is is just a more typical uh, form of technology. What is augmented reality? Is that is that something that you actually walk into a physical space and you hold your phone up and then LeBron's coming out from your phone or something? Yeah, so um, just to, so different. So virtual reality is basically like um, when you're immersed into an experience. Yeah. So it, it basically is taking you out of your context. Right. So you put a headset on and then you go somewhere. Yeah. And you... You know, virtual reality that's that's great achieves something called presence, which mm-hmm. is basically when you can't even tell that you're you fully feel your body fully feels like you're there. Sure. So that's virtual reality. And then augmented reality is basically when a layer of technology is put on top of our existing mm. world. Mm-hmm. So um, one form of that is you know when you take your phone out and your face is augmented, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you put yeah. a put a hat on your face, right, you put right, some right, crazy glasses on your face, um, or uh, something pops up on the floor and comes out of the ground. Yeah. Um, so any, any form of that is augmented reality. Got and, you. Um, you know, my view is that like uh, the next uh, big interface is going to be augmented reality. Mm. So the phone is, was the last big interface. Mm-hmm. The computer was the, the interface before that. The TV was the interface before that. Um, radio was the interface before that. So augmented reality will be uh, another interface. It won't be the only interface. Mm-hmm. It's not going to like take over TV. It won't take over the phone, but it'll be kind of the next big interface. Mm. Um, in the next like five to ten years, um, was Fisherman uh, after after you guys launched that? Was that the one that kind of like made the most noise for you guys? For you guys to get recognition by all these you know major like entrepreneurial like publications and stuff like that? Was that the yeah the biggest yeah. move? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. So like we, we there was a lot of choices that we made around Fisherman that um, and and just our business in general that was different. I think than um, the way that I guess a lot of other entrepreneurs thought of things like um i think i don't know why it is but charles and i got very uh we we'd we'd have conversations every year and we'd really go through like what do we want which Mm. i think i think is something that most entrepreneurs don't actually ask Mm. um they most entrepreneurs most people in general are our followers at the end of the day. So like even if you want to be an entrepreneur in silicon valley a lot of times you follow what you think is the path for Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, which is mm-hmm. like, you know, you create this thing, you raise a ton of money, and you try to grow it as fast as possible. Yeah. And you either are a billion dollar company or you're a zero dollar company. Mm. That's like the that's the Silicon Valley hustle. Yeah. And for us, we it was there was a lot of factors for why, but um, we did not want to raise money. Uh, partly because I'd raised a little bit of money at the hedge fund, um, and. We the things that we really really valued were control, like having being able to control our what we wanted to do with our time and our mission and a lot of things like that, and the flexibility was a huge thing for me. Um, that like I'll work a hundred hours a week, but I don't want to be told to be somewhere at hmm. a certain time. Yeah, I want to yeah. be able to control my schedule. Sure. So for me, like a, a high value item for me is flexibility. So I I understood that very early on and I optimized for all those things and and fishermen 
the way that Fisherman was structured allowed me to do that because as a service company, uh, service company, you 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 get a job and then you hire someone to finish that job. Yeah. So it's a cash flow generating company that doesn't uh, necessitate investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if I went out and started an app uh, like Snapchat, for example, um, Snapchat in, in the beginning when it starts, there's no way for Snapchat to make money. Mm. It's a messaging yeah. platform, yeah. but there's a lot of expenses to get something like that off the ground. There's right. marketing expenses, there's product development expenses, um, and so you have to raise a lot of money to get get that thing off the ground. So, for us, it was it was we we knew very early on. Fisherman was a great business for us because um, it achieved a lot of the things that we really wanted, mm. and it grew very very fast. But even as it continued to grow, for us again we because we knew what we wanted, we thought, do we want this company to be like a 150, 200 person company? No, we don't because all that really does for us is make us more money. It, it, it creates a lot more operational expertise. Yeah. And those are not things that we're necessarily interested in. We're creators. We want to create interesting products mm-hmm. and uh, taking a, a service company from 20 to say 150 or 50, we, at the time we were around 40 people, mm-hmm. 40 to 150 people is not going to, uh, allow us to be more creative. It'll mm. just uh, create more pressure and more kind of uh, more kind of or less flexibility, I should say. Mm. Yeah, I think it's cool when you said that you you guys kind of identified um, like what are the the things that you guys place at high value, things like flexibility and stuff like that. Um, so for yourself, with did you always have that from the very inception of Fisherman, or did, were you guys able to like? become successful and big enough to now you have the luxuries of like, cool, well, now I want to start, you know, focusing more on things like flexibility or something like that. Or do you guys all, always kind of have that from jump and then kind of keep going with that? Yeah, I think we always uh, we always knew that that was the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's times where you're, you start a company, there's times where you're not going to have the flexibility, sure, yeah. <laughs> right, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but you can get to a place where that's that's possible, mm-hmm. and I think for us, because we knew that that was the case very early on, we created a structure that allowed us to ultimately have flexibility mm. and 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 where we where we can control the projects that we wanted to be on, the projects that we wanted to take on, um, and and so uh, so I'd say like about a couple of years ago, mm. we we got to the point where um, Charles and I are not. Uh, we're not involved on an everyday basis at this gotcha. point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we really enjoy that. We really like seeing people at our company, Excel, step up um, and step into leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, we enjoy having the flexibility to try other things as well. And, um, and, and it's really cool being able to uh, see... For I think a lot of people... Um, I don't know if it's a pride thing or a... It's it's kind of like, and I, I had this because I had the same thing as well. Some a lot of times as as an entrepreneur, I felt like if I wasn't doing it all, then I wasn't useful, mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. instead of taking the opposite kind of route of saying, if I've built a self sufficient company that doesn't need me, that's actually like a huge win. Right. <laughs> uh, totally. And so because of the flexibility and 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 just saying, hey, I'm not, I don't need to be the man. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can. I could create this thing that has a life of its own right. and it's a brand and all these, we're working with all these cool companies, Nike and Puma and 
um, you know, all the entertainment companies, Sony and Fox mm-hmm. and Disney and all these kinds of things. But you know, I don't have to be involved in every project. Mm. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. How many employees do you guys have? So we're we're around fifteen now. At one point, we were around forty, uh, and oh, wow. we've really opti- we've really really optimized yeah. for uh, for at, at Fisherman for yeah. uh, for really just being able to have a small team that executes on really high value projects. Mm. Um, so a lot of the um, AR like we're the largest producer of AR uh, AR experiences out there, but mm-hmm. we're fifteen people. Um, the the, the companies that are in the same bucket that we're in have thousands of people. <laughs> right. You know, so it's crazy uh, wow. what, what our team does. And then we have a, a group of around 40 to 50 contractors that we've worked with for probably the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and those guys those guys come in on projects. And uh, so it's, it's, it's dope. We have, we have a great relationship with a lot of those people. And mm. we, we really don't want to grow our headcount beyond... The 15 people that we're at that we're Got like it. really we love the size that we're at yeah 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 i think that's that's really cool that um like for yourself i you you recognize your strengths like i'm good at this and i'm not and i know that this other person is going to be way better at executing that you know than i am and and like you said to um find the importance of empowering uh and creating more leaders right mm-hmm. i think that's uh you know, just even from, you know, like my own experiences, like um, the best leaders are the ones that create other leaders, right? And, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the whole saying of, you know, don't give them a fish, teach them how to fish, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, even like with, you know, like when I when I think about a company like yours and I think about even with Kinja's, uh, you know, we have, we have a lot of um, leaders and, and talented individuals within even a space like this that all... Um, are really good at different things, you know, and we don't all wear the same hat. Right. And everybody kind of um, will excel when they're empowered to do the thing that they're best at doing. Right. right? Yeah. And um, and it's it's cool because you know there's growing pains with even uh, figuring out the system of something like a dance brand. Right. There because there isn't this cookie cutter formula that yeah, there's sure. there isn't this manual that you're following. It doesn't yeah. exist, you know. And, right you know, we're figuring it out, but, um, you know, it it starts with the people who are kind of at the core of it, you know, like say like the founders, you know, Mike and Anthony and, um, but what's, what's even really cool to even see how they've approached, uh, creating from dance crew to a business is like recognizing very early, like, we can't do everything because <laughs> we don't even know how to do everything. Right. And even if we tried, we'd like run ourselves to the ground, you totally. know, and then it's just, we need a team and we need to, we need to empower people right away. We need to, um, let people run, you know, run in their lanes and, you know, out of, I guess like four years now as a, as a business, you know, things have like started to become a little bit more well-oiled and, right. and things are moving. So I can imagine for something like, you know, a tech company that's working with these major clients, you right. know, with, you know, technology that's brand new, cutting edge, there's so much room to drop the ball and, and for is, yeah. to, or to under deliver, you know, and, but you guys have seemed to have like a stellar sort of reputation of like, not only like, coming through but then um like having such a like a tight you know well-oiled machine where you guys have been able to kind of figure it out yeah i mean yeah. i think like there's man like i i remember when we we when we first started out we had no 
confidence that we could execute again because we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, that's wild, <laughs> dude. So when we built like a website, we actually had three different people build it, uh-huh. the same site, just to make sure that one of them was done right. <laughs> <laughs> so you could pick, all right, yeah, yeah, like we, submitting. we were too yeah. nervous to yeah. even go out with one. Yeah. So we were like, we have to execute on this thing. And um, I think even with like uh, delegating to other people, I think like, like you know, at the end of the day, I'm really good at sales. Like mm-hmm. I could go out and 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 go pitch software to people all day. I've been doing it for the last five years. Yeah. Um, and n- people at my company are probably not going to do it better than me. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, so if I go out and I send someone else into a sales meeting, there's a chance they could lose that deal. Mm-hmm. Where if I went into that meeting, I could get that deal. Right. But at the end of the day, I have to be willing to to let that guy learn. Mm. And go out on his own, you know, mm. instead of just saying like, "Well, I'm going to lose that deal, so I'm going to go into that meeting." So right. there's risk associated with with delegating as well. Sure. And and uh, even if you're really good at something, I think empowering someone else to to learn and to fail is 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 hard, but it's important too. As right. Well. So it's not right. just, I guess, like living your own lane. It's also like, how do I teach? someone and and the best way to teach is for someone to actually go out and try something Mm -hmm. in my my Mm -hmm. opinion this show is officially brought to you by kinesthetic hop on the store.kinjas.com and plug in the promo code podcast spelled with the k at checkout to get 15 percent off your entire purchase we're always trying to bring you guys the illest gear for all your movement in the shadows needs Follow us on Instagram at kin.aesthetic. Like us on Facebook at kinesthetic brand. Uh, how, how many years off the ground is, is Fisherman now? So we're, we started unofficially in 2013, mid, middle of 2013, and we incorporated in 14. So it's been like like five years. Five yeah. years. Yeah, for Fisherman. And then so uh, so in 2017, when, when Forbes hit you up, <laughs> it's 30 under 30. What was that whole experience like? And how, how does that even... Like, I was curious. I was like, how does that even work? How do yeah. they even find you? And what do they base it off of? You yeah. Know? Um, so even with Forbes, like, I'm going to I'm gonna break down some life hack secrets do with, it. with Forbes. And for. I'm going to probably get in trouble, yeah. too, with this. Um, <laughs> Let's go. Here's the good uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we run a marketing advertising uh, agency. So, yeah. um, you know, every like, a lot of things... Uh, whether it be learning how to build a tech company or, you know, now we're doing food, we have a foundation that does a bunch of stuff. There's, there's all sorts of different things that I'm working on. Uh, a lot of stuff is about like how to hack things and, yeah. uh, and to figure out the fastest way to get to something. Yep. Um, so uh, at the time, uh, w- like, again, I told you, like Charles and I, uh, we knew we only wanted fishermen to grow to a certain size. But uh, in our first few years, it, we were we were growing. I think I can't remember how fast we were growing. It was like six or eight thousand percent or something. It was crazy wow. at first because you got to think like zero to forty people in three right. years. Uh-huh. Um, we were we were like one of the fastest growing agencies in the in the U.S. So I knew there was a momentum behind the story I could tell for mm-hmm. who we were as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I knew that if I didn't tell that story, then I was going to lose the story because uh, if we don't keep growing, you don't. You don't. You're not able to tell the story of growth, which is what people are really interested right. in, right. and and we didn't want to keep growing. So, um, I knew in seventeen, six, or it was really sixteen, coming into sixteen. So that was like two, two, three years into running the company. That that was the time we had to uh, really capitalize on the growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Forbes was something that I I knew that I wanted to get on, and um, 
Inc. 500 was something that I knew, and I knew we had the numbers and things to to get on those things. Mm-hmm. But just because you have the numbers and just because you have, uh, you know, everything, there's tons of momentum. There's a lot of companies that have a lot of momentum. So you really have to figure out a way to stand out. Mm. So, um, like, so like a growth hack for like Forbes, for example, for me was that I. Um, I had a goal to get on Forbes at, at that at that time and to capitalize on the growth. And so I flew out to Boston. They had a conference, a Forbes conference, where all the 30 under 30, like previous 30 under 30 people were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a general conference and then there's these little events where you have previous 30 under 30 award holders yeah. that are at these dinners. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, I flew out to Boston for this event and I was my goal was I'm going to find out how to get into these dinners and meet these people. <laughs> So that I could get yeah. as many names as possible to yeah. give me references. Yeah. Um, so snuck into these dinners. Uh, I met one person that was a, a award holder, and I just followed him. I was like, "Hey, where are you going next?" And he was like, "Going Sick. to this this uh, dinner." So followed him to this dinner. Uh, uh, you know, sitting all these people with <laughs> these award holders, and just try to get as many names as possible. Hey, yeah. nice to meet you. Here's my card. Here's what I do. You know, love to love to connect afterwards. Yeah. And something that very few people do is follow up. Like mm-hmm. that's something I, mm-hmm. I've noticed too as well. Like I could go to this thing and you could meet a hundred people. Like ninety nine percent, ninety nine percent of the people are not going to follow up with yeah. you ever. Yeah. Uh, even if there's actually some good business to right, be had. Right. Um, just because they forget or they were drunk at the conference or whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm like there, I'm focused, I'm yeah. taking notes on each person I meet yeah. so that I know the story we talked about. Heck yeah. And then every single person I'm following up with. So I probably met, you know, 20, 30 people that were uh, previous award holders. Mm. And uh, I hit each person up. I met each person. I met with each person and I said, hey, I'm interested in getting on this list. Here's what my company has done. I feel like we've, we've, you know, had a really good track record. And I... You know, like, and here's another thing. Like, if I just told them, can you write me this reference? A lot of them would say yes, and they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I just pre-wrote the email for them. <laughs> and I said, here's an email. So I had to write, like, maybe 20, 30 emails that uh-huh. were all unique emails. Wow. Send it to them and just say, hey, I've actually written the email for you. Here's the email to send it to, the editor of Forbes. And you could tweak it if you want to tweak it. Uh, you know, take out some language, make it yours. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to. You don't have to use what yeah. I wrote, but I'm just gonna make it as easy as possible for you. So all you have to do is click send. Right? Hey, I have a good friend, Eden. That, yeah. Da 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 da. And uh, um, did that with like 20, 30 people. And so I think the the editor of Forbes probably like was pissed off at that point because there were probably emails coming in like every day right two three people hey i know this guy eden he's like he's doing some really cool stuff he's like a really good friend and i'm a previous award holder blah blah (laughs) blah blah blah. so i had you know tons at at the end of it it was like tons and tons of people yeah like 40 people emailing this editor like and so like at that point if you're an editor forbes and you have 40 award holders emailing you about this one person it's going to stand out uh, a decent amount. So I think just figuring out like what the growth hack is and then mm-hmm. figuring out how you're going to stand out in front of this person um, is... And the truth is like a lot of the award holders did something similar, but none of them are going to admit it. They're going to be like, oh, Forbes hit me up. Right. And like, I, I'm dope. You <laughs> they know? found me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They called me up. It's like, how would they know about you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I like being super honest about that Dude, stuff. I'm like life is about growth it. hacking and... Um, you know, it's the same with like ink and a lot of this other stuff where, um, if you want to do something, you know, figure out the steps that you need to take to get to that thing and then execute on those steps. Uh, like I'm going to meet those people where I'm going to meet those people. Oh, there's a conference fly out to Boston and just get it done and meet those people. You know, how am I going to get these people to send an email? Like just write the emails for them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so hey. stuff like that where, uh, um, 
you know, just willing to get out there and, and kind of be an idiot in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, for me, it's like, it kind of feels stupid to be self-promotional sometimes, but if you have a goal, you got to figure out ways to get there and try to try to make it happen. So that, that, that's how that, that came about. Uh, wow. <laughs> that's amazing, dude. Wow. Okay. So first of all, thanks for your honesty. And that, oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, uh, dude, we always talk about like this show is about life hacks, right? I mean, whether that be in dance or whatever, right? Goal getting, um, it makes so much sense. But I, I mean, so what I love about what you said is you already had uh, your vision set on like, I'm going to get on Forbes. And it wasn't just like, I want to, the end. It was like, how do I do it? Like, what do I need to do? Where's the next thing that like, you know, the people that are going to be involved or that are going to help me to get on there? Like, where are those people going to be? Like, what are the events? How do I get in? And then like, like you said, you had this, your ambition was, wasn't, it didn't end at I want to. It's like I want to and I, therefore I need to do literally A through Z to get it done to the point where you wrote, you pre-wrote the emails. I think that's genius. But so as dope as that is and as life hacky as it is and it's freaking great, what I love is that um, you had you had the you had everything to back it up though. It wasn't like you were this like random guy and it's like, well, who are you? What do you do? Right. And it's yeah. like, oh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to do business. It's like, no, right. you, you have the numbers, you have all your, like you've done your, you've laid your groundwork. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, um, so now that you're in these spaces where people are like, all right, fine. Like, well, it's like, oh, okay. You are legit. Like, yeah, I'm down to go to bat for you, you know, cause you've made it so easy. And like, and if I was one of those previous award holders, I'm like, dude, this guy's like going the extra, extra mile. Like, yeah, I'm down to help somebody like this, you right. know? And, and I think that's, what's great about, you know, um, people tend to think that this, you know, dog eat dog world, you know, everyone's trying to one up the next guy, which is, is in, in so many ways is true. But I think you'd be surprised of how many people are also like down to help others succeed as well. Because sure. yeah. I think people who succeed want others to succeed. That's yeah, just kind absolutely. of like it breeds that, you yeah. know. And um, I mean, you know, in in most cases. But like, yeah. um, I think for yourself to like have that sort of like, how am I going to figure it out? And like, I'm going to do it. And then you did it. And then you had done all the the groundwork beforehand to justify all of it, and then boom, like it it, it happened. You know what I mean? And um, that's really cool, man. <laughs> it's like dance. You know, I'm I'm sure there's like I don't know the dance world that well, but uh, obviously watch your stuff. But it's like there's a lot of great dance groups out there. There's a lot of great dance crews. But what, um, like how do you separate yourself from all the other dance crews at the end of the day, right? Um, and it's not about doggy dog. It's just about um, there's so many talented people out there. Um, there's so many talented singers out there. If you're a singer, um, how do you get noticed if you want to mm-hmm. be a great singer? So if, if you suck as a singer and you want to be a great singer, that's not going to work. You have to have something to back it up, like you said. Yeah. You have to have the the. You have to work on your craft. Totally. Uh, if you want if you want to be a great dancer, it's not just about growth hacking. You actually have to be able to dance at yeah. the, uh, on one <laughs> yeah, hand, right? Like, now that um, you have my attention, right, like, what yeah, do you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so there, yeah. there's there's ultimate elements, man. I've had so many people reach out to me, um, and the stuff they send me is not 
good stuff. Right. Um, and so that's the issue where it's not it's not about like I don't want to help. I mean, if someone sends me something good and they're like, "Hey, can you help me with, out with something?" I'm like, "Absolutely. Yeah, like, I'd love to. I'll go like, you know, I'll go the extra mile right. and do whatever. Right. Um, if I if you see the hustle and you see the quality, then yeah. you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, you said it, man, and I think talent and skill is a dime a dozen man a lot of people are super smart out there a lot yeah. of people are super talented and not everybody gets that visibility you know mm-hmm. and it's the it's the people that um will figure out how to stand out you know and so i think it involves um as, as cheesy or as you know whatever it might sound like self-promotion is yeah, kind of a necessity in yeah. this in this day and age and um knowing how to market knowing how to Go and network with people as 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 awkward and as weird as that is yeah, to go and like totally. m- go shake someone's hand that you've never met and be like, hey, my name is so and so. I do this and that. Here's my card. Here's what we do. Yeah, it's the person who's willing to do that that's going to have the opportunity versus the person who's unwilling to because they just think like, oh, my talent should be, you know, they should find me for my talent. It's like, right. well, there's so much out there. How do you sift through all that noise? Right. right. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of it's just, you got to be humble too, man. Like because yeah. I think like sometimes. I, I get the same thing where sometimes I'm like, you're kind of too cool for school. You're like, I don't mm-hmm. want to go meet people. Yeah. Do all this stuff. And you're like, it's like, who cares, man? Just go and say hi to somebody. Yeah. Like, what's the big deal? You yeah. know? <laughs> and it's becoming, it's that person who is memorable. You know, like, yeah, totally. if I met you and you did something unique, like, I'm going to remember it as weird as it was. Right. Like, I'm going to remember it. But then it's like, oh, shoot, you actually have a lot of like good quality, whatever right. content stuff that you do and like right. ability. So I think that's really cool. Um, so now, so I think now that you guys have, you know, Fisherman's been off the ground, it's mm-hmm. been successful. And I, you know, I, I think when we had lunch uh, not too long ago, you were kind of saying that, you know, you kind of have this um, freedom to kind of move about the cabin right now, right? right? Not not having to go to the office every day. Yeah. Um, was that was that the, the goal of flexibility that you were talking about, kind of being able to have a company that kind of runs on its own and then for you to kind of take on other projects for yourself and... What's that like flexibility like now? Yeah, I think like I mean, there, I still love what we do at Fisherman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not so much um, that you know I'm I'm just trying to do other stuff. Uh, Fisherman for me, um, at the end of the day, I can only work on so many projects. So that's like even if Fisherman was a thousand people, I'd still only be able to work at one project at a time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I'm still working on projects at Fisherman, and I'm mm-hmm. working on the ones I really am interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can't even talk about the projects I'm working yeah, on yeah, now yeah, just because the, sure. uh, they're 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 not uh, released yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like really cool movies that I'm working on right Sick. now, and the the campaigns around them, and mm-hmm. the ideation behind them. So I'm still working on that stuff. It's really really fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've always been a creator, so I'm wanting to always come up with new things, uh, which sometimes can be a huge distraction. But for me, it's a lot of fun, mm. <laughs> which is why I do it. So it, it was the goal to really like have the flexibility to keep uh, coming up with new concepts and yeah. executing on them. Yeah. So like recently, um, we so we're launching a, a food uh, company in mid May. Um, it's I mean it's already launched on social media and everything, and it's called Common Foods, mm-hmm. um, and the for us it was just something that we wanted to make for ourselves we i i like a lot of times miss lunch because I, i'm in meetings and mm-hmm. whatnot and uh i love instant noodle but it's so bad for you yeah uh and i just 
eating the same instant noodle every day that's packed with all these crazy chemicals and stuff like that was yeah. something that I wasn't down with. So yeah. uh, I didn't have it, but I used to always eat instant noodle in college, like when I was gaming and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was like, wouldn't it be cool to come up with like a craft ramen, like more of like a craft <laughs> version of that? Yeah. And so that's another one where it's like I had no experience in food, man. I was like calling, you know, there's so many people I had to call to learn about yeah. that industry. Like, where is the food going to be stored after like contact warehouses? Like, how's it going to get made, manufacturers? How, how, where's the recipe going to come from? Talk mm-hmm. to chefs. Like, um, where's, how's the marketing going to work? Where's it going to get distributed? You know, talk to grocery stores and yeah. Amazon and online distributors wow. and all this kind of stuff. So I've been doing tons of research last, last year or so, just learning the industry. And finally, we, we are launching mid-May. We have the order in, the down payment Sick. in. We have our warehouse. You have to do the customs broker for if you're importing stuff from, from China. There's, there's just like a whole uh, set of things you have to do. Um, so that that's launching, and we're excited about – really excited about that. Just I, I'm excited to eat noodles myself. Um, so <laughs> yeah. really made it for myself, and my business partner uh, made it for himself. And um, I, I'm really involved in our, uh, our, our foundation. We have a foundation that's focused on um, how to – uh, get more opportunities for people in low-income mm. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So most of it is uh, kind of education-related. So one project I'm working on in uh, kind of South Central right now where my wife and I live is um, we have, uh, you know, my, my I, I've always had kind of an issue with, uh, not an issue, it, it, I think it's cool that people want to help, but I think a lot of times people come into the inner city and they bring like these coding boot camps Mm -hmm. and I often feel like they're pitching a dream that's not feasible for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like coding is something that a very small set of people can do, even college educated, uh, you know, uh, with all the like background and support that they could have. Yeah. Uh, And it's still like only a small subset of people. And, uh, what these coding boot camps that they, they come in the inner city and they, they pitch this kind of dream of like coding is so cool you can create everything and and it excites people but the actual amount of execution that's able to happen is limited mm-hmm. so for me I've always been interested in um, like how can we get these high school graduates that don't have opportunities to go to college into real opportunities not just pitching dreams but real opportunities that will fit their background mm-hmm. and um, one thing insight that I had was that um, high schoolers, they especially the ones in the inner city um, where I live, they're amazing at like understanding music, understanding culture, mm-hmm. understanding um, you know just things that like the older generations don't get, like what's yeah. trending. Yeah, uh, and they also understand social media like crazy. Like they use Snapchat, they mm-hmm. use Instagram, and they use it like really creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our thing was like, there's so many brands out there that are looking for like social media ma- like people to come in and manage their social media page, mm-hmm. and they have crappy like. Like they don't know how to schedule posts and all this kind of yeah. stuff. So it's like, can we create a program that trains kids, these high school graduates who already have a lot of these skills on how to really like just like show up to work on time, how to use spell check, hmm. um, and then how to use social media in a corporate setting. So mm-hmm. like using Hootsuite and like scheduling your posts, like yeah. how to growth hack your social media so mm-hmm. like you can grow followers and things like that. And so that's something that I really feel like is feasible. And mm-hmm. it's a program that we're, we're kicking off uh, in a couple months uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in our neighborhood. And our goal is to train 10 students in the first program. And then we're working with 10 companies to pr- get a guaranteed three-month internships for these 10 kids 
in the social media wings of their companies. Wow. So that that's something that my foundation's funding and uh, really excited about that. We want to expand the program in the future. Um, also working with a, my, a friend of mine runs a, a a music program called the Remix Project, which started in Toronto. Um, you know, Drake was part of that, mm. and um, trying to work with him on bringing that to LA. Mm. Um, and that that is all around like how can we use music to get kids into jobs around music, not just like the artist, but the the sound engineer, yeah. the business of music, the agent of music, and all those kinds of things. So there's all these like really interesting things I think um, that uh, our foundation is really interested in getting involved in, and how we can uh, get kids into real opportunities that they're really interested in. Mm. What's um, the name so, of your foundation? Uh, our, so our foundation is just called CE Foundation, which is just the lamest name ever. It's just Charles and Eden, <laughs> uh, which is just Got me and my you. business partner. Yeah. Um, and it was mainly because like we can't, we couldn't like come up with a name and we're just like, <laughs> let's just get name, this thing registered. It, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause it's not about us. Like yeah. for, even for, uh, for the foundation, we're, we're giving money to, um, a organization called TEC Lamert. Okay. Um, which is tech entertainment conversions Lamert. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm working with them on, on, on producing this, this, uh, education program. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like we don't want our name stamped on anything. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all about yeah. them yeah. and, and, and uplifting them. So those are a couple of the, the initiatives we're working on right now. And we have a software you know product called Sonar that, that we've been working on as yeah. well. So, um, yeah, a lot of just random, yeah. uh, kind of, uh, things in the fire that, are, that, that we're really excited about. That's dope, man. I mean, even just when you're talking about things like common foods, like, you know, things that you kind of grew up with a cup of noodles to you know you're like man like it, it tastes good it's not good for you how do we fix that you know and then you go and do your freaking homework you, you got to do your due diligence right. to like no, no shortcuts you know so it's funny that we're over here talking about things like life hacks because i think that's such a a sexy sort of term right. now because everyone wants everything fast. Right. But to to develop quality anything, there's no hack to quality really. Right. Yeah. Like you have you to do, the work. do. Yeah, you got to do the work. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something where um, I love that we can talk about both ends of that spectrum. Like right. when you do the work and when you have the knowledge and the skill that you've developed because you've put in the time. There's no there's no way to make that time up you can't fabricate that time it just right. has to be spent yeah but once you've done that then you can take that and figure out efficiency of like how do i get you know how do i deliver that product in in, in a faster way or yeah. you know when we i i feel like you know in in a show like this you know for the podcast we bring in people that uh in, in some ways are kind of experts in their field right you know whether it's dance or you know business or whatever yeah and and then in the show you'll you'll get these life hacks you know like yeah so I've, I've I've figured out how to do this and you know to the listener it can sound like cool so as long as I do that life hack I should be you know do that method I should be fine I'll be able to get the same result it's like no <laughs> you can only do that if you've done the if you've laid the foundation for the the actual thing that you want you know if right. I want to be this traveling dancer choreographer that's world famous you got to be really good <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah, sure. and, th and then yeah maybe uh, you know like figure out how to uh, approach social media in this way or that way so um I, I like i like the dichotomy of yeah there's there's shortcuts to the like, efficiency but there's no shortcuts to actual know-how and actual skill and development of that and i think that's really important to um to emphasize but 
Yeah, and, and like even the the stuff that you guys are doing, you know, for not just making good product, but good product for and and to help. Um, and, and as you care a lot about, you know, the you know socioeconomic uh, condition of you know like South LA where you live and stuff like that. I know you 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 you're out there intentionally to be a part of that community to to uh, bring um, opportunity and to even just have a presence there that. Um, might be kind of unlikely, you know, like, why would you, you know, you're a successful tech guy, you know, in this and that, like, why would you live in South LA or whatever? But, you know, to be in a community where you actually care to bring opportunities uh, for, you know, that, that community and that culture, I think is, is amazing, man. That's really cool that you're, you care about stuff like that, you know? Dude, we love it, man. I mean, like lower income neighborhoods have such a crazy bond. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, Nipsey Hustle, his with the with the shooting and everything that happened like two blocks from my house. Wow! Um, and I mean, the positivity that's come out of that has been really incredible mm. around um, people isolating what made him unique, mm. uh, which is not just his music, but all the uh, community stuff totally. that he was doing. Yeah, um, which is which is so cool because I feel like the narrative for a lot of shootings could be like gang violence and yada 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 um and for him it was like man here's a guy that just like was successful yes but reinvested in his community yeah and reinvested in a community that not a lot of people were really interested in investing in yeah and uh i mean he had so many different businesses you know clothing store barber shop mm-hmm. co-working space um all, all, all sorts of things and, it, and it's not about doing this for him man like you know i'm so impressed with a guy like that because he's he's making such a huge difference but it's it's not the things that he's doing are not crazy billion dollar things. Right. You know, right. Uh, a lot of people feel like I need to make the billion dollar company t- mm-hmm. in order to, uh, to make a difference. Uh, but with, uh, you know, with someone like him man, he was just, I mean, obviously very successful artist, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he, he just did things that other people were not doing yeah. because he was willing to take the risk and go out and do it. Yeah. Um, some, and and that's what made him so special, right? So, um, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We 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 reckon there's not a lot of Asian tech guys in <laughs> South Central South LA. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we're, we're there. Imagine. We 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 like love our neighborhood. That's we so love sick. our neighbors. Uh, yeah. We're not there to you know we're not there to save the neighborhood. We're there right. just to be a neighbor totally. uh, and just to get to know people and do things that we can do in the neighborhood to make it a better neighborhood, just yeah. like any other neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so it, it's cool. I, a lot of the businesses that I've been thinking of now are, are related to to things that we're doing there. Um, even so Common Foods, dope. like um, part of the inspiration was that a lot Cup of Noodles is huge in in the hood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you go to a convenience store, yeah. Cup of Noodles is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of kids they they eat either like takis or che- flaming Cheetos and <laughs> and. Uh, and and a lot of times it's because they have single single fa- they're they're in a single family home mm-hmm. where their their mom typically is working you know a couple jobs there's no one cooking at home right. so they got they basically need convenience foods right. uh, but there's not like a great option um, and so with with an instant noodle that's a little bit higher quality a little bit elevated um, but still is. Uh, priced in such a way that's affordable. There's some mm-hmm. there's some instant noodles that are coming out now that they're priced like really really high. Mm. Um, for us, that's not our, we, that's not what we want to do. We right. want to um, you know create a high quality product that can uh, go to you know people that are in the tech world, but sure. also go to people that you know can't get a meal yeah. uh, you know affordably. That's that's like a decent meal. So that's what's up, man. That's legit. Um, how would you define success? 
You know, it's interesting. I, you know, I think like success for me has it's shifted so much throughout uh, my life. Yeah. In terms of the way that I define it, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just thinking about that today because uh, you know I'm a new father, mm. and that brings a, a different. Uh, it it brings a different conversation, at least for me, totally. in a lot of ways. Um, I was just thinking, man, that uh, when I had my daughter, success for me became a lot less important, which sounds like obviously very cliche and whatnot, but I think I had a lot more dreams for her in a lot of ways, and I was so excited about her potential than I was about my potential and, and everything I was working on. Um, but so I think it's it's constantly constantly being reshaped. Mm-hmm. I think, but I think ultimately, like success for me is just like creating creating really uh, amazing things that shape culture in a positive way, and uh, doing so in a way that's unique to me and on my own terms. Mm-hmm. I think that that like is probably the way I would define it now. Um, but uh, but again, it's it's constantly shifting, you know. And as a new father, and totally. and, and the dynamics that that brings into success. Uh, but, uh, yeah, cre- creating things can look at, look, look like so many different things. It could be a business, it could be a foundation or a nonprofit. It could be, um, it could be dance. It could mm-hmm. be, um, you know, I'm, I'm so into movies. Um, me and my bro just like love watching movies, yeah. creating stuff like that. So it could be in film. I mean, I, I think something that's unique about my career has been, I generally haven't been afraid to just try new things, mm. even if I fail at them <laughs> or I suck at them or whatever. I'm like, Hey, let's try finance yeah. from from ministry. <laughs> hey, let's try <laughs> tech from finance. Hey, yeah. let's try food from tech. You know, it's like um, I don't know what the next thing will will be, but I'm just like interested in creating kind of culture shaping things. That's so sick, man. Yeah, dude. I, I, like I said, dude. I think you know, in your younger years from college to, I mean, man, I would say, dude, your 30s, you're still young, man. Like it's it's that's the time to really explore and and try everything man right. and i think you know if if you hadn't tried um the stock market then you wouldn't have found yourself in business if it wasn't in business then you wouldn't have found yourself in tech like one thing definitely led to another and you know here you are venturing off into food and and whatever's next right like i think that's great and i think you know for you know ourselves too whether it's um, yeah, we found ourselves venturing into dance, but dance mm-hmm. just opened up so many doors for yeah. us too. Where like now we're, we have these facilities, we have yeah. dojos, and we're opening up the complex, and you know, doing these really cool, you know, partnerships with really cool brands that seemingly have nothing to do with dance, but right. we find connecting points, you know. And I right. think I love the those creative. Uh, collaborations or unlikely pairings you know I know you did uh, Chris Denson he yeah he he talks about like unlikely pairings and stuff like that um, it's really cool that it, it's those who are willing to try and willing to be confident enough with I, I know what I got I know what I can do um, and I think and I, I see what you're doing I think we can figure out a way to do something cool to create something to yeah shape culture and and hopefully make a difference towards like a positive growth right no, I, I think it's dope what you guys are doing because I think like um, again like so many great dancers out there and and dance is such a inspirational art um, and but you guys have, I feel like elevated that uh, by creating all this stuff around the way that dance can impact other things, other areas of life, mm. which I think is 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 powerful. I mean, I think the it's so easy to just get stuck in your lane. Um, you know, I know Dave Choi was on your 
uh, on your podcast. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a good buddy of mine. But I was talking to him about why so many influencers are unable to run successful businesses after they've they've been so successful at running their own mm-hmm. uh, their own business of their own brand. Uh, it's because you're so successful at this one thing, and the next thing that you do is never going to be as profitable as spending time on the thing that you're already good at. But, wow. and so the, 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 the pressure on yourself when you're successful at something, like if I wanted to grow fishermen and wanted, uh, and, and because I wanted to make money, I would make way more money working on fishermen than any other thing that I'm working on mm. because it's already there and right. it's, and it's a machine and it's right. working. But, um, if I just get in the mindset of like, well, it's working and so I should do it. You, you miss out on all the exp- this exploration mm-hmm. that you get to try mm-hmm. um, outside of that. So if you, if you get locked in, I think the insight for me has been, you know, when you're successful at something, don't just keep going. Consider w- what you're really called to do. Um, yeah. not j- it's not always just about growing things as big as possible. In other words, um, it's about being very intentional about what you want to do and why you want to do it. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. Um, want to do a quick lightning round with you, if that is cool. We're going to fire off some questions. Just come off the top of your head. Let's do it. And here we go. Lightning in three, two, one. Coolest business venture or company that you've ever worked with? Coolest business venture. I mean, I, right now it's like instant noodles for me, man. Heck yeah, dude. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, I, I'm just excited about it, and it's been it's on been top of mind for me. Uh, so yeah. Do you have a dream collab or a partnership that you hope to happen? Yeah, man. I, uh, I I've, I I'm a huge basketball junkie, and so um, you know I, I love I love Jay Lynn. I love. Heck yeah. um, <laughs> You know, I'm a huge Wizards fan, and uh, so um, you know, just you know, I've always loved. I'd love to do like a Wizards collab or something like that. Put it out I always there. had a dream to like buy the Wizards eventually. Oh, Shout out to Ted Leans, just the owner. Let's go. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure? Oh man, uh, definitely nowadays. Again, it's come back to gaming again, okay. um, and which is like my roots. Uh, it's it's like it's a huge time suck. <laughs> um, but, what game uh, are you playing? Playing Apex Legends now, which Apex is huge. Apex Legends, uh, right. Yeah. Let's go. What is your song of the moment? Song of the moment. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've been into um, uh, a Great Good Fine Okay a lot. Uh, okay. You know, th- those guys, uh, they're, they're kind of like an indie pop okay. group. Yeah. Um, so just a bunch of their stuff has Word. been dope. Word. What's your favorite movie? Oh man, I got so much. That's a that's a tough question. I think the uh, the movie I always go back to is probably like Forrest Gump. Um, nice. Though I have, I mean, there's Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind, Blade Runner, um, the new one. I, I think is was was a feat uh, with uh, what Denis did there. Um, but uh, Forrest Gump has it's the epic nature of yeah. of, of taking a life and and seeing the journey of someone's life yeah. is, is incredible. It's a good one. Uh, what would be your advice for the college kid who doesn't know what to do with their life? Oh, man, I'd say like uh, I, I've always uh, had uh, the advice of uh, you know you have different periods of your life, earning and learning periods, mm. and uh, I'd say like the thing that I was never taught when I was in high school that I wish I knew more of is just how the value of 
learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole point of college is just to teach you how to learn. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, if you're interested in something, just learn as much as possible. F- mm. Find a way to put yourself in situations where you can learn, um, mm. no matter what that is. You don't have to start a business. I don't think anyone, everyone should start a business yeah. and be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, no matter what you're interested in, find the best people that do that thing and just try to learn from them. Mm. Um, and, and Or whatever it is, read books. Like mm. Just be in a constant uh, mindset of learning as much as possible. Mm. If you can go back and give yourself some advice, go back in time, hop in a time machine, what would that advice be for yourself, to yourself? Advice to myself. Uh, I think... I think something that it took me a while to learn was that um, if I'm interested in something, I can just go out and learn and do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it wasn't really until probably the last like maybe six, seven years that mm. I really, I had confidence when I started my fund, but it wasn't like today where like, you know, it, it, we have the internet today mm-hmm. uh, and, and maybe because when I was growing up, the internet wasn't huge yet. But nowadays, uh, we could just learn anything. So, I mean, I, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, like, dude, if you're interested in something, just go out and figure it out and, mm. just, and go out and do it. Uh, so, it's, uh, I think that would probably be the biggest thing. Word. Less of, more of. What would you want to see less of in the world and also more of in the world? Oh, man. I think less of it would be um, just a divisive uh, uh uh, banter that doesn't lead to like true conversation. Um, I think it, uh, we live in such a polarized, uh, environment today that I think it really bothers me both from like a, I mean, I think it's talked about a lot, but I think I, I work in a tech, in the tech space, which is a very liberal, um, space. And, you know, every time I go to a fundraiser, there's not any conversations happening. It's just an assumption that, Trump is evil. Every everybody that's conservative is evil, mm-hmm. and vice versa for you know the conservatives as well. So yeah. um, I just happen to be more in a circles of where everyone is is like assuming that you're evil if you're not what someone else is right. instead of listening. Yeah. So I think like um, you know Bible says like be slow to slow to speak and 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 quick to listen. Mm-hmm. I think um, we need more listeners in the world, mm-hmm. people that are willing to um, converse and have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even if someone has a different perspective. So I want less, I would love to see less um, just uh, hate in terms of that kind of thing and more just conversation. That's amazing. It's really good. What's your golden rule? Golden rule. Um, I think uh, the, the sort of uh, mantra that I've, like you know, I remember when Facebook Facebook first came out. Um, I was uh, I was it was funny. I was my senior year in high school. Facebook first came out, and you could stick like one uh, little status thing uh, on your profile. And uh, for forever, I think they still have the thing. It's always been um, only one life till soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Um, and that's uh, a, something that always gives me perspective. That um, I'm, I'm, you know, you just think about how big this galaxy is and how long this earth has been here and the universe has been around. I'm just here for just this brief moment. Mm. And um, I think a lot of times I can get, uh, I could feel that I'm, I'm such an important person. And the reality is that 
I'm, I'm just here for a little amount of time. And I think that perspective actually frees me. It's not a condemning thing to, to know that I'm only here for a certain period of time. In 100 mm. years, probably no one will remember who I am mm. at the end of the day. Mm. It frees me to really focus on the now and focus on like making a difference um, to the people that are around me today. Mm. Um, and, and it also reminds me uh, to focus on things that have eternal impact, not just things that, um, you know, even business, making money, all this kind of stuff. Like um, all this stuff is, um, you know, Facebook won't be around in, hundred years. Yeah. Uh, and it's a hundred billion, you know, not hundred, it's like a $400 billion company now. Mm. So, um, look at what IBM is today and what it was, you know, even 20 years ago, mm -hmm. um, things fade so fast that mm. you can't even imagine how yeah. fast they can fade. And, um, I think people, uh, would, the world would be a lot better and a more peaceful place if people didn't have such self-importance, I think, and mm. feel like, uh, if they didn't create their one thing then everybody would you know be like at a huge loss hmm. <laughs> it's mm. just like hey man like just love people yeah. like you only got one life and it'll soon be passed man yeah. like, focus on things that are that are more eternal mm. uh, so that, that would good. be it for me dude uh eden man thank you for coming and sharing man uh, again i think these are the types of conversations that i enjoy uh, sometimes the most um, versus even talking about dance because I mean we talk about dance all day you know and <laughs> I think um, it's I, I gain a lot of insight for, from talking to people who um, live a very different lifestyle in terms of you know career career path and all that but there's so much wisdom to be gleaned off of um, those things because you can find parallels you know what I mean because I think when you when you look at what you do all the time and you talk to people who also do what you do all the time you're only kind of seeing one side of the coin and mm -hmm. the world is just so huge you know and people um, experience different things but will will be able to um, learn uh, lessons that um, are really important and that will only kind of be learned if you take a step away from your own bubble sometimes you yeah. know and um but yeah man i think it's i think it's so dope with what you guys are doing um over at fisherman but as, as even even just for yourself as your own man and I, I love just your um your sort of like fearlessness of uh just going after things that things that you care about the things that you love and the things that you value and and knowing that like you're gonna you're gonna go for it to figure it out and you're gonna kind of stop at nothing because you care so much about it you know and I'm excited to, you know, continue to just see the journey of, you know, all the projects that you're you're doing individually and with your businesses and um just great to just share just share your your heart, your head, man. Thank you for doing that for our listening audience, man. I think it's super duper valuable, man. Thanks so, for thank thanks you. for having me, man. I yeah. uh, I uh man, I feel like every industry like you said when you find someone that's excellent in that industry there's always a reason why why, why that's there so I, i'm always like man i have so much to learn from these guys at kinjas man they're like they're just killing it at their trade and they're they're there for a reason uh and there's so much i can glean from it and every other it, it's the same in any, any industry right. so it's dope well our doors are open dance classes are hey, available monday <laughs> we need to get you in i know we've been trying to take a beginner's hip-hop and yeah, i'm, I'm gonna right. hop into that class with you man we'll do it Let's we'll do, do it, it. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, social media, websites, and all that. Like, follow your your journey. Yeah, so I'm on I'm on Twitter the most uh, okay. personally, uh, and I'm just at Eden Chen, E D E N C H E N. 
and then uh, the companies are on all, all the socials and stuff. So at Fisherman Labs everywhere, at Common Foods uh, everywhere. Um, and uh, and yeah, yeah, shoot me a message on Twitter. It's like open. So Sick. Hit me up. Sick. Yeah, man, excited for all the new projects and stuff, dude. And uh, yeah, we'll get into a dance class soon. <laughs> Joe, all right, bro. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you guys are subscribed, thank you so much. If you haven't yet subscribed, what are you doing? Subscribe. Uh, share it with your friends. It, it really, really helps when you guys uh, add this to your IG stories, post it on your feed. Always tag us at Kinja's Podcast, cast with the K. Uh, hop on our website, kinjas.com slash podcast. For those people who are having some trouble finding it on your, your podcast platforms, if you go on the website, all the episodes are up there, and you could just listen to them straight, stream them from there. Um, yeah, if you like what we're doing, if this is adding some value to your life, leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Literally, all those things are super helpful because that helps us get up on the podcast charts. That gives us visibility, which will ultimately help us to keep these things going. So thank you guys so much for listening and or watching. And we'll check you guys next time. Kid your bride.